0: The Psalm says it is a good thing to praise the Lord in the morning. As we come out and give him the first of this day, He is here, he is waiting for you, and we want you to, to know He is He is coming to not only uh, be a part of the praise that is happening in this place, but, but to fill you up again, to show you new things, to give you revelations of life, of your dream dreams, and to heal the places of your heart that need healing. So this morning as we worship, just encourage you to lift your voice, lift your hands if you're comfortable. We believe, God, that you're coming in. We believe that you're making a way through the valleys, through the darkness. Jesus, we lift you up. In your name we pray. Yeah.
1: Oh, good morning, everyone. So I got to see who our 930 group is going to be here. So <laughs> you are the early risers, I guess. So it's great to have you here this morning. Everybody's going to have to find a different seat, it looks like. I don't recognize where anybody is now. So everybody's shifted around. But it's great to have you here. Thank you for making all those adjustments to go to two services, 930 and 1130. And anybody that comes in here next 15 minutes, just be nice. Um, they may show up for the 1030 service, which there is not, but everybody here be nice, all right? So uh, we're starting this new series that we're calling On Purpose and the lies we believe about our potential. And uh, I'm really excited about this series because it's something really important for me and uh, something, some things that God has really spoken to me over my, the years of my life. And The reason why we're actually doing this series is because back on Easter Sunday, we did a survey for all the people that were here on Easter Sunday asking, what messages would you like us to preach on? And this was the number one topic, and it was overwhelmingly the number one topic that was chosen for us to speak on. And so we're going to be speaking on this topic for the next six weeks, really looking at how do you discover your purpose, and what process do we go through, and does God actually have a purpose ...for my specific life. And so, if you have your Bible, we're going to start here this morning in a little obscure book... by the book of, ...named by the book of Jude, which is clear at the end of your Bible, right before the book of Revelation. It's just one chapter, the book of Jude, and we're going to start in verse 20. It says this, "...but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... ...keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ... Unto eternal life, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and others say with fear, pulling them out of fire. If you're taking notes, I want you to underline the phrase making a difference. Now let me ask you a question here. Do you feel like you're making a difference? Do you feel like you're making an impact into this world? I know we don't always think about that, but I do think it's really important for us to stop and consider. Is my life really mattering? Does it really account for something? Am I really making an impact in in this world? Because I think if you stop and really think of what's going on inside of you, I think there's something inside of every one of us that wants to make a difference, right? I think every one of us, we want to make a difference. The problem, though, is trying to figure out the where and the how to make a difference. And I think we all have the same types of questions, the questions of who am I? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What should my major be when I go to college? What career should I pursue? What job should I take? I think we all have these same questions that go through our head at different seasons of our life, and it's these questions that can frustrate the tar out of us, right? How many have been frustrated by these questions before? I think we all do at different times in our our, our life, and I think that we're looking for some sort of clarity. We're trying to understand what is that purpose that God created us for. Draw your attention to the screen here. I want you to see this picture. Because several years ago, I was watching a National Geographic show that was on the lions of Africa. And it was a great little show that, uh, that chronicled and watched the life of a lion from birth through its adult life. And so the the show was about seeing its different components in the different seasons of its life, from when it was a little cub and playing in the grass and jumping on his father and mother grooming him, to when he got a little bit older and went out on those hunts, and most of them were failures, a little bit of them were successes, to the point where he probably was old enough and had, find, found his own mate and started having cubs himself, and, and at the end it was really looking at him as the the adult lion where most of his time was spent just resting under the shade tree in the heat of the day and and then going out and hunting and and defending his family from would-be predators. And as I was watching this show, I had this kind of overwhelming feeling of, I wish we could have that type of clarity in our own lives. Because as I was watching this, This lion wasn't wrestling with these nagging questions of who am I and what am I supposed to be doing with my life? No, this lion was just being what it was, and that is a lion. And I think every single one of us, we want to have that sense of clarity and purpose in our lives because I think every one of us know that we were created to be something. We were created to do something. We were created to contribute something. We were created to make a difference. What's so hard is trying to figure out what that something is. How many can you relate to this? Can you relate to this? It's hard trying to figure out what is that something supposed to be. Have any of you read C.S. Lewis's books, The Chronicles of Narnia, or maybe seen the movies of it, you've seen those? In the fourth book, which is called um, The Silver Chair, there's the story about a guy by the name of Prince Rilian, And he's held captive by this witch's sorcery and under his the spell um, prince really he loses all recollection of who he is and where he's come from and in the book he says this he says while i was enchanted i could not remember my true self but then there was moments of clarity It was like he would wake up and he could he could remember who he was and where he had come from And it says here in in the book, he realized that he was bound by a heavy, tangled, cold, clammy web of evil magic. I think this is a picture of how so many of us feel in life. Because for so many of us, we get lost in this confusion and this dullness of trying to figure out what our purpose actually is. I think so many of us, we struggle trying to wrestle through this and struggle trying to figure out what am I supposed to do and what am, I, what am I supposed to accomplish in life? I have four kids. My oldest graduated in spring from grad school. I have two in college and my youngest is a senior in high school. And in varying levels of clarity and dullness and confusion, all four of them are trying to figure out this question, what is my purpose? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing with my life? And the college kids are all in that thing, am I in the right major? Am I studying the right thing? And then when I graduate, what job am I supposed to get? They're all in this stage of trying to figure out these questions. And as I was thinking about them specifically, I realized that one of the things that I think is so hard, especially for this generation, but also affects every one of us, but what's so hard is we have these forces that really make this issue really complex and make it difficult for us to discover our purpose. Because think about the world of science. The world of science today tells us that whatever you feel, be it pleasure or despair or anger or lightness or heaviness or even a sense of meaning, that these feelings, these emotions, are just a series of chemical reactions in your brain responding to outside stimuli. In other words, beauty, purpose, meaning romance, pleasure, and even God, are nothing more than a byproduct of a chemical reaction. And so the world of science is telling us that there's no meaning or transcendent purpose to life. That we are just here. This is just a bunch of random reactions from one thing to another. Philosopher and Nobel Prize winner Henry Bergson said it this way, He said, since the Renaissance, modern science has gradually extended its casual explanations to one phenomenon after another, psychological and biological, as well as the purely physical, accounting even for life and the consciousness in purely physical or chemical terms. Creative novelty, human purpose, and freedom have often been disregarded. And so this is the loud voice in in the world of science here that I think really makes it difficult for us to discover our purpose. But in addition to the world of science, we also have the pressure of society that complicates this as well because the pressure of society, society says that any purpose, sense of purpose or meaning outside the realm of economic or scientific advancement, it's just unhelpful and even dangerous. And so our laws today portray society's desire, desire to separate faith from what goes on in normal work and normal society. And so as a result, most movies and TV shows and even media today show religious conviction as unhealthy, um, even the cause of suffering and bigotry and, and wars and all those types of things, or at least or at best, religi- religious conviction really doesn't help society today. And so we have the pressure of science and we have the pressure of society that I think really makes it difficult for us to discover our purpose. But as I was thinking about this as well, I think the church, the big C church, has also complicated this issue as well. Because I think the church can project an elitist view upon our, 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 our lives, people and their callings, we're, we're, we're either intentionally or unintentionally, where the church is saying that only a few have these extraordinary, significant lives. And these few people can easily be recognized by their religious titles, their positions, and their clothing. And so if you don't have a desire or you don't have the opportunity to do something within the church, then your life really isn't much of consequence, much of eternal consequence. And so as a result, then your goal is just to live a moral life and somehow support the church's values and its institutions. Well, let me just say, and I want to debunk that very quickly here this morning as your pastor, because this is such a falsehood. There is no, no such thing as an elite group of people within the body of Christ. But unfortunately, I think the church can project that view. In addition, I think the church has also projected a utilitarian view upon mankind based upon our focusing on our usefulness. And the whole idea here is that there's so much work that needs to be done in the kingdom of God, that you just need to be a servant. You need to be dutiful. You need to do whatever it takes to get things done here in the kingdom of God. And as a result, you'll hear this phrase over and over and over, I just want to be used by God. But I want you to think about that just for a little bit here. And I want you to attach that phrase to any other relationship that you have. I want to be used by my spouse. I want to be used by my friend. I want to be used by my boss. When you stop and think about it, there's just something unhealthy about that way of thinking. That's why I think it's so important for us to understand that this life here on earth and this relationship that we have with God is so much more than your usefulness. But unfortunately, I think the big thing church can project this utilitarian value and image upon us as, as Christians as well. I think the church is also push a stewardship view of life and this is the thought that that god has given each one of us something to contribute to his kingdom's work something by which you'll be scrutinized and judged for and the unstated goal is to make sure that you don't get in trouble on your job evaluation when you step into heaven and here's the thing there's so much truth about this there is a day where we will all be judged but i think we're missing here a little bit because i believe that god has given us something glorious to bring into this world that has to do with joy and this intimacy with god not this upcoming job evaluation And I think we can get it all distorted and we can mix it up. And so I think all of these factors from science to society to even church just adds to the fog of confusion and dullness when it comes to us trying to discover what it is our purpose is, what that unique specific purpose that God has for our lives, which is why this question, what is my purpose, is so complicated, but yet at the same time it's so central to most of us. USA Today surveyed adults with this question. What would you ask a God or Supreme Being if you could get a direct and immediate answer? It's a great question, right? And uh, the third most asked question, it's 16%, was why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? You don't have to be very old to have heard that ask in a variety of ways. As a matter of fact, this past week, this was all over the media because Lester Holt presented this as an issue with all of the the chaos and all of the catastrophic things that are going on. He's the nightly anchor for NBC News, and he brought this up. Why is it that that all the suffering is having, it just seems unfair? And it caused this whole little splattering of conversation in the the media and, and throughout all the different social media sites in mean, this it's really this issue of why do bad things happen? And here's the confusing part. If you don't understand, if you, if you attribute all the bad things that are happening in this world, that God is causing these things, that God causes hurricanes, that God is the one who causes cancer, that God is the one who's doing these bad things, if you see God as the one doing these things, then this will trip you up every single time. Because it is true, bad things happen to good people. But you can never forget what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That you have an enemy to your soul, and there's an enemy in this world that wants to destroy your life and wants to destroy this world, and that is not God. Jesus said that I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so you need to understand that there is an adversary who wants to destroy people and destroy you. And that's why bad things. It's not God doing these things to you. It's the devil that's trying to destroy your life. But it's the reason why it's such a big question for most of us. The second most asked question at 19% was, will I have life after death? Will I have life after death? It's a great question. And it's a question that every one of us has to be able to answer. And here's the thing. God even spoke to us that he put a bit of eternity inside of our hearts to even ask this question. Because if it wasn't a real question, you wouldn't even ask the question. You understand? If it wasn't wasn't something that was really stirring and actually something that's a possibility, you would never consider the question. And so I love that it's a question. And here's the thing. If you don't know the answer to it, this is why it's important for you to read your Bible. I love the acronym of how you can describe Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth, right? It's a great thing because this is but a twinkling of an eye the Bible describes, that you are an eternal being, and this is just simply a temporary human experience that you're having, and it happens so quickly. And so that's why we have to live our life from an eternal perspective, not just from what's happening right here and right now. That's the second most asked question. But the largest percentage at 34%, was this question that was asked, what is my purpose in life? What is my purpose? See, if you're asking that question, you're not alone. People all over the world are asking this question. And I think the response to this survey really indicates the high percentage of people asking this question, what is my purpose? It reinforces the fact that people really do think there's something out there. They think there's some sort of purpose to my life, and we want to know what that purpose is. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, said it this way. He said, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe, and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know that it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. It's well said, right? And so the question that we're all asking, is there a specific purpose or calling to my life? That question has an overwhelming and resounding answer of yes. Yes, there's a purpose for your life. But knowing the answer to that question begs the second question. And that second question is, what specific irreplaceable purpose does my life have? See, it's one thing to know that you have a purpose, it's a whole other thing then to know what your specific purpose is. Pulitzer Prize winner Russell Baker said it this way, he says, there's a hunger in us for assurance that our lives have not been merely successful but valuable, that we have accomplished something grander than just well healed loudly publicized journey from the diaper to the shroud, in short, that our lives have been consequential. This is, I think, what most of us feel. We feel a stirring inside of us, and the truth of it is you, you are here to do something. You are here to contribute something that only you can do. You are here to make a difference. But the reality is you'll never discover your purpose outside of a relationship with God. Let me say that again. You will never discover your full potential outside of your relationship with God because no amount of research, no amount of personality test, no amount of gift finders test can ever substitute the input that you need from the one who created you. Only God knows you from the inside out. Only God had this thought when he created you. You need to understand, God had a thought, God had a mission in mind, and as a result, he created you to fulfill that mission. This is how he works. And so our part is to discover, then, what is that purpose? What is that mission that we have? I want you to see how true this was for a guy by the name of Gideon. So if you have your Bible, turn with me, Judges, chapter 6. So oh, this is in the Old Testament, beginning part of your Bible. Judges, chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen as well. It says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, donkeys, these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of the slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the class of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you now i want you to look at this interaction that god was having with gideon because god's interaction here with Gideon is very similar to the interaction that he's trying to have with you and me because when you were born god infused a whole bunch of things into your soul into your life into your physical makeup and one of the things that he's infused inside of you is this purpose that he wants you to embrace This is what the angel was trying to begin to put into Gideon here in verse 12. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, I can guarantee you that Gideon didn't feel like a hero. You didn't see that? He he, he doesn't even know that he has a purpose. He has no idea the purpose that God has put inside of him. I mean, after all, he's just hiding out in a wine press from the Midianites. He's just trying to get through. He's just trying to make it. He's trying to survive. And I think a lot of us, that's exactly what we're doing in life. We're just trying to make it through. We're just trying to make it through to retirement. We're just trying to make it through to the end of the week, to the weekend or something. We have this attitude of just kind of survival, just going through the motions of things. And this is what Gideon was doing. He was hiding out in the wine press from the Midianites. There was absolutely nothing about his life that was making a difference. Now, on the onset of this series... I think it's important to point out that I don't know the specific details of your purpose. There's no way for me to know that, but I do know two things. Number one, you do have a God-given purpose within you. And I think that's where it starts. You need to know that. You have a God-given purpose within you. And I can say that with 100% guarantee that God created you for a specific purpose. And so you need to know that God has given you a specific purpose to accomplish. And the second thing I know is that your purpose is related to people. I don't know all the details of your purpose, but I do know this. Your purpose has something to do with. With people. Some way, somehow, your purpose has something to do with people. And I think this is pretty important to understand as you're trying to navigate and trying to discover what your purpose is, what your meaning is, and what you're supposed to do in life. You need to understand that your purpose will never be about you. (laughs) I'm sorry to poke that just a little bit for you, but your purpose is not about you. Your purpose is not about promoting yourself, although as you pursue your purpose, you may experience promotion. As as well, your purpose is not about achieving great fame and fortune, although as you pursue your purpose, you may achieve fame and fortune. Your purpose is not about experiencing more pleasure and comfort, although as you pursue your purpose, you may have pleasure and comfort as a part of that, as well, your purpose is not about amassing great power. <laughs> Although, as you pursue your purpose, you may increase in power. But the important thing is that you need to understand is that your purpose is not about you. That's not what this is about. Your purpose will always be about using the resources that God has given you. Your talents, your skills, your relationships, your time, your money, your, in- your intelligence, It's about using these resources to come alongside and make a positive impact in the lives of others. Some way, somehow, your purpose will be about making an impact in other people's lives. Now, you're probably, some of you, already starting to have an argument in your head with me. Some of you are already starting to argue a pastor. Hmm? I don't know. I don't have this sort of training, I don't have this experience, I don't have this ability, I don't have this talent, and so there's nothing that I can do of greatness. There's nothing that I can do to really make a difference in the world. Or some of you are beginning to think, well, pastor, you don't understand my life's a mess. You don't understand where I've come from. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the messiness of what I'm dealing with. I, I can hardly take care of myself. I can't think about anybody else. Or some of you are saying, well, pastor, you don't understand my life is so busy. You know, I have to take care of my kids, I have to take care of my family, and I got to just do everything I can to make ends meet. I can't think about even trying to make an impact in other people's lives. I I can barely get, deal with what I have right in front of me. Or some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, you don't understand, I don't, I'm not even really interested in helping other people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, when you think about it, this is a dog-eat-dog world, and, uh, you know, if I don't take care of myself, who's going to take care of me? I think these are just some of the arguments and and some of the things, the excuses that start coming through our head just as soon as we start talking about this issue of purpose and impacting the world and, and actually making a difference in other people's lives. But when you think about it, this was Gideon's response as well. Look at this in verse 12. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? In other words, why do bad things happen to good people? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I love this. I love how God doesn't even entertain all of our excuses. <laughs> Gideon's giving me all these excuses, and, and, and then the answer is, go. <laughs> you, Gideon, go. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But the Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Do you see what he's doing? It is the same lies that you and I make. It's the same excuses that we tend to hold on. But listen to me, folks. You need to listen to me here clearly. Because at the risk of offending you here this morning, let me point out that believing these lies and holding on to these excuses is so arrogant. It's so self-centered here. Because these statements expose the fact that you're living by one of two lies. Number one, either you're fixated only on what you can do in your own strength and your own ability, or number two, you believe that what you, the, the, the only way to maximize your life is to focus on and take care of yourself. You're believing one of these two lies, and so as a result, if you're holding onto these lies and these excuses, then essentially what you're saying is that living a successful life is all about who, what, and when. Who you see yourself to be, what you are able to do with your natural abilities and talents and gifts, and when you feel ready to move on, to do something great. Who, what, and when. Well, congratulations, little God. Now let me see you make it rain. I mean, do you see how idiotic this really is? Do you see how godless it is, how faithless it is? We're making ourselves to be so big, and we're making God to be so small. Listen, folks, I think way too often we settle for these weak excuses about our inabilities and about our lack of experiences. We settle for these weak excuses about our fears and our failures and our busyness and our personal issues. And as a result, we give in to the lies of our potential and our purpose. But I want you to know, folks, that these are just distractions from the truth. Because just like Gideon, God did with Gideon, God wants to come to you and say those same words, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And then he wants to come alongside you and piece by piece begin to show you the specifics of your God-given purpose. And so I want to invite you to join me over the next six weeks as we really dive into what, it, what is our purpose and how do, we, how do you discover your purpose, the specific purpose that God has given you. How do you actually do this? Because I think this is a season where sitting down, complaining and whining and just having your face to the ground, it has to be over, folks. And there has to be this issue of get up, get moving, and go in what God has given you, to do. I think this is a season and I think there are all different spiritual seasons in our lives but I think this is a season of movement. Movement. Not just sitting doing the same old same old but getting up and doing something which means you need to know what God is speaking to you so that you can respond to this and I'm praying as we go through this series that God will open up your eyes. That God will give you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation, so that you can know more of the details that God has for you and for your purpose and what you are to do with your life. And so if you would, I want to ask you just to close your eyes here as we end here this morning, because, you know, for maybe for you, you've never really stopped and asked the question, what is my purpose? Maybe that's where you are even here this morning, or maybe... You've been asking this question for years, and you feel like you've never really been able to answer this question. It feels like doors have been slammed in your face, and your path feels like one dead end after another. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you're feeling hopeless, and maybe even cynical, just talking and thinking about your purpose. But maybe the, the Holy Spirit is beginning to stir in you. I felt like he was doing that already early on in the service, but maybe even more as we've been talking about and reading the scriptures here. Maybe you're feeling something going on, Maybe you can't quite figure out what it is and put your finger on what's going on, but I want you to know that's God working in you. That's the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. He's working already on the inside of you, because God wants to reveal to you who you are. You need to know that God wants to reveal to you who you are and, he's, and why he's created you and what he's put inside of you. And God wants to show you the plans and the purposes that he has for your specific life. And so I wonder if, as we're kind of starting this series, that maybe you can look at it as a journey. And maybe even this morning, begin to take a step forward in this. And let it be something that you're asking God throughout the week. God, what is it that you have for me in this season of my life? What is my purpose? What is my calling? Why am I here of all places in the world? Why am I here? Why do I live in this area? Why am I in this job? And instead of that, stirring up hopelessness, I want to ask you to take it more of an issue of faith, knowing that God is the one who orders our steps, and there's a purpose, and there's a plan that he has for your life. And so, right where you are, are, I want to ask you just to pray with me here this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray this after me. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer here. Just say this out loud. Say, God, I thank you that you have a purpose for my life. And I realize that I'm not here by accident. And so I no longer want to embrace those lies about my potential. I want to embrace your purpose for why you created me. Because you have plans to prosper me. And you have plans to give me a hope. And you have plans to give me a future. And so, God, I ask that you would open my eyes and that you would give me a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation so that I can know what my specific purpose is. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take communion here this morning together. Bible describes for us is that as often as we get together, do this in remembrance of Him. I love this part. For so many, this, this can be just a religious act, but let me just tell you, this is a step of faith. Every single time you do it, you're activating your faith. I say this, I think every week, that this really is a question that has to be answered. And the question is, Jesus, He presents it to us and says, I've given you my life Will you now give me your life? And when we take communion, we're answering that question. And and this morning, as we talk about purpose, I want you to even take this as a step of, okay, God, you created me, and I want to live my life the way you created me to live it. I want to fulfill my purpose in my generation. As long as you have breath in your lungs, let me just say, your purpose is not done. No matter how young or how old you are. Your purpose is not done. And so there is more that God has for you. And so as you take commuting this morning, let it be one of those steps of faith. You say, okay, God, I want to fulfill and I want to follow you in all that I'm doing. Maybe this morning, all these things, maybe this is new for you. And like I even said earlier on the service, these feelings that you're feeling, maybe you can't really identify what it is. But let me just say, this is God stirring in you you maybe you've not felt that before, or maybe it's been a long time since you have felt it. And let me encourage you. This is the presence of God. It's the Spirit of God working in you, drawing him to yourself, him, drawing you to himself. And so if you've never made your declaration of faith, the Bible says that it is by our mouth that we're saved. It's through by the confession of our heart that this right standing with God takes place. So that... If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's not something anybody else can do for you. That's only something you can do for you. And so maybe you've never done that or maybe you haven't done that for a long time. I want to encourage you, even here in this moment, as you take communion, to be able to say yes to that and make that your own personal confession. We celebrate open communion, which means this. You don't have to be a member of this church to have communion. This is something that Jesus sets for us. I want to encourage you to participate. How we do this is we have a table set on both sides here. We'll start with the front row and go to the back row. You'll exit on your right-hand side, circle around, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then go back to your seat. You can take that whenever you want individually. So let's do this here. I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me that there were some people that even talking about your purpose puts a bit of... There's just a, there's a negative, maybe even resentment, bitterness inside of your heart. Um, it stirs up a whole bunch of things. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was was speaking to me this morning that it's hard for you when you're in that place of difficulty and trouble, and things are pressing in on you to see rightly. But God wanted you to know something here this morning, that even in the midst of that, there is purpose, that He is in the midst of of whatever it is that you are going through and so not to give up hope i want to ask our prayer team to come forward here we do this at the end of every service we just have these men and women up here to pray with you because i don't want ever want you just to come and spectate and not ever have somebody that can really stand with you and agree with you in whatever you're going through and maybe that resonates with you something that's going on you're just troubled by the circumstances i was watching the news this morning another hurricane hitting our coast and and all this is happening. I mean, there's so many things that are happening in our world right now, globally, as well as nationally. And it can stir up a bunch of anxious thoughts and fear and all sorts of things. I want you to know that God wants to speak peace, even in the midst of those things. And God wants to touch you give you direction and give you instruction even in the midst of some of that stuff. And and so these men and women, they'll just hang out up here at the end of service, and I want to encourage you to come forward and just ask for prayer. Whatever you're going through, just ask somebody to agree with you in prayer. Let me just speak a blessing over you here this morning. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.